Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to another episode of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. We are now in season four, and something that I've yet to really dive into in, in any of the seasons so far is the anxiety surrounding a breakup. And that's something that for so many of us, if not all of us, is something that we will experience at some point in our lifetime. So maybe it's a split from your first love, that was my experience, or maybe, as is the case for my guest here, who is journalist and author Leodon Hines, it's a separation from your husband or partner with whom you share children or someone with whom you've just built a life that you expected to see continue on indefinitely. It's a very tangible anxiety, that realisation that you need to either remove yourself from the relationship or maybe you're perfectly happy to stay in it, but then you face the anxiety of learning that your partner wants out. And suddenly, whatever way it came to be, your whole life stretching out in front of you looks incredibly different and absolutely terrifying. Here, Leah, who has written an incredible book called How to Fall Apart, she shares her story, how she coped with the anxiety that went along with the various stages of this major life upheaval and how she's doing now. I don't doubt that this will resonate with a lot of you and I really hope that you find it comforting whether you are in the middle of a breakup or contemplating a breakup or are coming out the other side of it. I just think for, for anyone ever having gone through a breakup, this will this will speak to you. And just a note here to say that you'll, you'll have to forgive me somewhat for a slight dip in audio quality. We were in the depths of lockdown when recording um, and I had builders all throughout the house drilling what felt like through my skull, but it was very, very hard to get the perfect audio conditions. And you might also hear Leah's little girl in the background at points too. She was being homeschooled. But look, such is the beauty of our vulnerable lives and it's really about the content. So hopefully you will forgive me. Thanks as always for tuning in thank you for supporting me on www.patreon.com forward slash caroline foreign where the monthly price of a cup of coffee makes such a difference and is massively appreciated till next week so leah thank you so so much for joining me on owning it the anxiety podcast i'm so so happy that we've had a chance to sit down i believe i'm one of your first interviews you are the first caroline it's such a pleasure to be doing it with you yeah so thank you for having me no pressure on me then to make this good for you. Um, so huge congratulations on the release of your book, How to Fall Apart. Um, the book is based on your brilliant column, and which is with image.ie. And then also on off that, you have done a really successful podcast around the same theme and the same name. And for those who might be unfamiliar, it's really the content is really anchored by your experience of having gone through a breakup. And we're not talking about a, a teenage breakup, not that that's any less significant, but you've separated from your husband with whom you hear you share five-year-old Sarah. That's right. Yeah. So I started writing the column, Things Fall Apart. And that was about, I suppose, putting your life back together after, um, in my case, like you say, a separation and kind of the things that you go through, I suppose, in the terms of emotions and the things that you do to help yourself and the people that help you. Um, and yeah, that turned into um, this book, How to Fall Apart. Um, and then the podcast is, I suppose, talking to other people whose lives have kind of gone off the rails of what they kind of expected. And it very much started out as how they coped. But then a few episodes in, what we realized, Cassie and I, my producer, um, was that a lot of the time what people find really hard to talk about is when they're not coping. 
Yeah. So we very much come from that point of view as well, because that can be really hard to say, you know, and I definitely found that myself that you can get into this thing of, yeah, I'm having a really hard time, but like, look at me coping. I'm really coping with this. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it a million times. um, And it's, it's, I think it's a form of kind of trying to retain, retain control when everything is going to the wall. Um, so yeah, so the podcast, um, and I suppose the book now is very much talking about all that kind of thing. Yeah, we tend to focus so much on, you know, having come through something, like you say, and oh, I'm coping now, but this is what I've been through. But I think it's really important. And I think even just the title of your book and the column on the podcast just allows people to be in the middle of it where like you say, maybe you're not coping and maybe like I say owning it. Some days I say, maybe you're not owning it today. Maybe you're just renting it. You know, it's, it's not a case of like, you, you can't share your story until you've figured it all out because we, we never really have it figured all out. And it's a constant process. And I think we're all vulnerable and to share it as you're going through it is really reassuring to other people that, you know, you're not waiting to get to this sort of finish line. That's it. And I suppose for me, like I would have had my daughter who's now nearly six in mind and I would quite want her to grow up knowing that, you know, it's a, that it's almost to be expected that things will um, be really difficult at times. And I don't mean that to sound really pessimistic. I think that's just the case. And I think it's, you know, I would be thinking of her in that sense of kind of knowing this is okay and I will get through this, not to expect that like there is a perfect way of being or a having it all or, you know, life needs to look one way. And if it doesn't, you're doing something wrong or you have kind of failed in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I get asked an awful lot of the time if I will cover um, anxiety in relation to a breakup. And my, I suppose my only experience of it was like the kind of first love breakup, which was um, just like, you know, you'd be vomiting with the, with the upsetness of it. I have, I haven't, I've been fortunate enough that I, I met my husband and, you know, I feel very, very lucky there. We, we have a very strong relationship, but it's, I imagine it's a completely different ballgame when you're, you have a whole life, your whole kind of, in, it, like interwoven together, especially when you bring a child into the picture. But can I ask you, before we talk about the breakup, was was anxiety something that you had experienced before? Were you an anxious person? Are you a worrier? Would you have a nervous disposition? I wouldn't say I had a noticeably nervous disposition, but I definitely would have been um, a worrier as a kid in a kind of way, I think I would have ruminated quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But my mum was very good. My mum always kind of just said, yeah, you're a bit of a worrier. And in a way that made me feel like that's That's just, you know, that's fine. And kind of, you know, not get too hung up on it. And then ironically, um, shortly before my wedding, I did that very cliche thing of, you know, going to a trainer um, and loved it um, and, you know, kind of shaping up or whatever. Um, And doing that, where I was really working out, I was doing weights for the first time. I noticed at that time that A, I stopped getting headaches, which I would normally get uh, once a week or so, but I also really um, stopped worrying like about things that I would have worried before. It made a huge difference. And that, I remember feeling that was quite, uh, kind of quite a realization to make that like oh god I mean it sounds obvious now exercising really changes your mindset um but yeah so I suppose a little bit anxious as a kid but like I say my mum was really good at being just like nah what of it you know that's yeah. just you. that's a great way to be because you don't need to not be that way you know you're allowed with there's room in the world for warriors as well you know yeah yeah exactly exactly and when you, you say there you had no worries at all going into it you didn't have any seed of doubt or hesitation going into the marriage no, we had a we had a really lovely relationship and a lovely marriage. It was, and I think that's really important to say because I think when we hear the word breakup or divorce or separation, we think it was a bad relationship or that it was unsuccessful or like we've talked about it before, where some people would say, "Oh, is it considered a failure because it hasn't worked out?" But you you had a good experience with each other. Yeah, and I write about that in the book about. And I, and I totally get it. People say the sense of failure when their marriage ends was something that they really struggled with. And I uh, never felt like that. And maybe it's coming for me down the line, but my feeling was um, this was something that we worked really hard to try and make work when it, you know, when things started to go wrong. Eventually we had to accept that, you know, it wasn't going to work and facing into that was you know, is kind of terrifying. And to me, that's not at all. I have no sense of failure with that. I feel like that's, you know, a hard thing to do. Um, and we did oh, yeah. it, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I get, I totally get where people say they felt they struggled with the sense of failure. But for me, it's not something. I think it just comes from just the way we've all been conditioned to, you know, think of success in terms of those kind of, um, you know, ticking off the box of house, marriage, education, or whatever. Um, and how, I mean, obviously there was a time period before you addressed it where you started to get the feeling 
or the realization that I don't know if if this is working? How did that feel for you? And what was that anxiety like? I think for me, that was the worst part. Um, because I think when you're in that situation where you know deep down, uh, maybe even just on a kind of, it, it manifests physically, like in a mm. sense of nausea or something, but you haven't admitted to yourself that something's wrong. You know, the thing about a breakup, like a breakup is a loss. And um, it's kind of in a way, like you said, it's a, it's kind of almost a mundane loss in that we will all go through a breakup. But yeah. what's unusual about a breakup in terms of loss is that it is ripping up if you're married to someone you live with them you're ripping up every part of your life so literally from the minute you open your eyes in the morning where you sleep in the bed changes what your house sounds like changes because there's not another person you know how you're gonna raise your child changes what your entire future looks like changes so it's really terrifying to contemplate making that change um, and while I won't go into it I would just like to say it is it was a mutual situation but I think um, you know coming to that conclusion um for me like and also because I think before you're facing it you don't necessarily know that you can handle it and you're kind of stuck in this awful stasis place you know whereas at least once you face it you're in some way I think you're acknowledging okay I can handle this you know Mm -hmm. because you're taking it on and you do start to move forward so I found for me that bit in terms of just you know feeling like a, a sick when uh, you know when you start it starts dawning you that was the worst and were you affected physically I mean I know you say your body started to kind of show it maybe before you were willing to admit it yourself did it affect your your sleep did you you know did you find yourself more irritable was it was it starting was, was your body trying to communicate with you before your mind had really caught up with it I'd say my mother would say it affected my mood that she, <laughs> she used to say to me you're very stressed and I'd say no no fine um more more when we actually separated I noticed physically like I had a sore throat for about six months I couldn't turn my head fully because my neck was so tight and I was um and anyone who has grieved will recognize this exhausted but had sleep problems for the first time in my life so you know you need sleep more than ever but you can't sleep and so yeah physically then afterwards but I think beforehand the way it manifests like I think you I think you can experience really um quite startling levels of denial mm-hmm. um, about things, you know, you sometimes hear um, this when somebody's talking about being an addiction, you know, that the levels of denial that there's a problem can be quite remarkable. Um, and I think what the, you can come to realise that you need to change something is when you hit your own personal rock bottom and the, the idea of staying as things are becomes worse than whatever the change is going to bring, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for me, that was, sorry, um, I just, I, I found myself beginning to, I knew that I was beginning to get depressed. Um, okay. And that's not something that I would have ever, and that's not to say, you know, any of us are immune to suffering any kind of um, depression in any times of our life. But I, I just knew I just thought, no, this isn't happening to me. And that was kind of, so I suppose that was how it was manifest in the end that I definitely felt my mood turning towards depression. Yeah, And you had to get to the point where you, even if it was absolutely petrifying, you knew that it would have a far greater detrimental impact on you to, to stay than, than to, to separate. Was there any sense of, I mean, I, I've, in, in, in my second book, in the confidence, I, I have a chapter about fear around, um, and how a lot of our fear is wrapped up in like indecision and that like hesitation and actually sometimes just a simple act of making a decision even before you've done anything is instilling it's kind of empowering because you're putting yourself in the driving seat when you did broach that was there any sense of relief especially because you say it was mutual and you both kind of met in the middle absolutely for me I think what complicates it is when there's a child involved it's so strange it's like it's not your decision. I've never had to make a decision like that. Um, and again, we made the decision together. But it, because what you're doing is so affecting the entire life of the person you love most in the world. And that, I found that really difficult. And I always feel, you know, when people say, oh, they stayed together and they shouldn't. And I just think it's so hard. I just don't think you can judge people in that situation because no. it's incredibly hard to end um, your ch- it's not just your relationship but it's how your child is going to grow up um, so yes I 
I definitely um, knew I knew I could handle it and that's absolutely no disrespect like I say we had an absolutely lovely marriage but I knew I know what I can handle but yeah. it's very hard to so yes I can completely relate to what you're saying myself but I, I think when there's a child involved it's just it's a really difficult kind of it adds a layer Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then you, you go through the, the separation and suddenly you're beyond your everyday terms of reference. You're beyond, you know, everything is unfamiliar to you. You're outside your comfort zone. Like you say, you don't even know what position to sleep in the bed. You know, this, the house sounds different. Is that, was that like a completely unnerving thing? Did you have any sense of, Oh God, would it have been just easier just to stay and, and just to try? And because at that point you're, you're, you're kind of worried and your fear, the fear part of your brain just wants to keep you safe. So it'd probably start to give you a narrative of, Oh, you know, I, I imagine my brain would be like, Oh, just always let's go for the safer option. But you had to override that. I think, um, by the time we separated, we both knew that we had really tried yeah. and that it was the right thing. And that that gave us a kind of peace of mind in that sense that this wasn't a decision. Uh, like when I hear people talking with regard to the divorce referendum about like people, you know, needed to think it through. It always makes me laugh because, well, from my experience anyway, it wasn't a decision made lightly. So oh. I feel like, and I would say that to anyone who's in the situation, you will come to a point if a marriage has really, or a long-term relationship has really, you know, right come to an end rightfully like that is the right mm. thing you'll get to a point where you you want to get on with your life you know and you want to enjoy your life again and you that's what you move towards and hunger for um and that will sustain you I think you know and, and that will only get stronger because if it's the right decision that will only be confirmed more and more yeah. And I imagine something that people find helpful when they're thinking about getting themselves out of a, a tough situation or an anxiety inducing situation is to really have a strong sense of your future self in your mind and that you're doing it for that person. Yeah, that's really good. I, I found the future thing, the counsellor I go to calls it future thinking. Um, and that was one of the things I kind of struggled with that like things I would never have considered before um, I worried about like really randomly the stairs in my house is quite steep and wooden. And I used to think, how will I get down that when I'm 70? As if yeah. like, you know, my husband would have been throwing me, like ridiculous things that weren't even, you know, it's not like if I was still married, that would have been fine. Um, you know, or like things like, we'll never garden together when we're retired. Neither of us garden. That's just completely ridiculous. And so um, the counsellor I go to, she would say, she gave me that phrase, that, you know, your future thinking. And so basically you're thinking of things in the future that you're now overwhelming yourself in the yeah. present. And I actually interviewed an amazing lady recently who has... Uh, she's living stage four cancer. Now she's, as she said herself, she's not dying. She's living. There's no, you know, um, like they don't know how long she could live for, but she described it as I'm, when she overwhelms herself about the future, she said, I've, I know I've cast out my line too far, her fishing line, and I need to reel it back in. Um, and I think that just having that in your mind, that really helped me where it was like, okay, you're overwhelming yourself. Because I think that when uh, things you know, fall apart for <laughs> not to be a reason. But that stuff that you would never have thought about before, it becomes really burdensome mentally, yeah. I think. And you really can kind of, you know, spend a lot of um, energy agonizing over things like that. Um, there's, there's kind of like, there's the tangible worries of, okay, well now my future looks completely different and that's terrifying. But then there's also the fact that, you know, your body and your nervous system was, had been through a lot and there's a lot of stress there. And when we experience stress for a prolonged period of time, our resilience isn't what it normally is. We might think we're coping, but like you say, you're, you're thinking far too far ahead and you're feeling frightened about things that probably won't even, wouldn't have been in the future for you anyway, you know? And so did you have an awareness that, I guess the, the impact that the stress and anxiety can have on your thought process separate to actually the circumstance of what you were going through. Definitely. Like the, the way I felt was that because my whole system was under pressure, just getting through the day in a way that wouldn't have bothered it before. I felt like I was really vulnerable then. Like it's like you're, you know, you're full of tiny cracks that the fear and the anxiety can get in, in a way that previously would have just brushed it off. So for example, I would have um, at the time been working on a lot of fashion shoots, had been doing that for years, you know, had it down. I found it really challenging. Yeah. Things that eat before would have been really easy. I found interactions with people outside my family, my kind of three, four best friends, really draining and really exhausting. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so things that 
previously were really easy. And I I knew that because the contrast was so marked, you know, that like mm. a job that before I wouldn't have even thought of, I would come home and just be absolutely shattered from it. Yeah, because it's really important to know sometimes that it's not just you not coping or you're, it's not just that you're having a, a bad reaction or an overreaction to anything. You don't have, the, you, your brain isn't on your side because it's worn out because of what you've been through. So then it's kind of like what started as anxiety about, you know, a breakup becomes sort of self-fulfilling anxiety and stress because it's 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 feeding into more of it because you're running your batteries down. Totally. And what you said there about self-fulfilling is so true. One of my big fears was, um, so I'm a self-employed freelance journalist, which is after my daughter one of my biggest sources of joy in my life I love my career and I love the flexibility it gives me with her but I became so anxious about as any freelancer will know the kind of instability and you know up and downs of finances and whatever to the point where I kind of said to my mum one day I, th- I think I'm gonna have to retrain and she looked at me and was like what are you talking about like you're are you are you okay now like yes and do you love your job now yes and are you financially okay yes so what are you doing but I had talked myself into walking away from it purely because of all the fears and I actually um I interviewed Elizabeth Gilbert for the podcast around that time and she in reading in researching for that interview you know in her book um Big Magic she talks about fear and how you have to accept it and like she describes it as like a passenger in her car Mm -hmm. and I found that attitude just incredibly helpful with all of that that like if you try to take on the fears and like wrestle with them and argue with them and deny them and you know kind of logically argue with them I suppose yeah it's like it's fanning the flames whereas if I just kind of got to the point where it was like oh yeah okay I'm worried about that again yeah that's pretty there normal. you are like label it you yeah. can come along with me to work today exactly yeah. yeah yeah so that that and kind of accepting oh there'll always be fear rather than like that expecting that you get to a point where you wouldn't feel fear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Did you have a realization or kind of a, a moment that you can remember along the way where I guess... Right, your survival mode wants you to keep it together, wants you to wants you to cope, wants you to, you know, at least from the outside perspective, our, our mind and everything, we, we want to appear to be doing okay. Was there a moment where you said, I actually need to allow myself to fall apart here? Um, I think I was really lucky in that sense that like, what one of the things I found really challenging was the energy levels. Like when you're heavily grieving, you'd wake up and there'd be days where you just felt like getting out of the bed was challenging. And my parents live five minutes away from me. So occasionally when I had those days, I they would take my daughter or they might have her anyway, because they are my childcare. Um, and I could just take to the bed and, you know, I mean, it might've only happened a few times, you know, couldn't afford to do loads. But so on those days when I just really needed to stop, I, I was so lucky in that I had their support. Um, but in saying that as well, I, so I, my daughter was kind of, three to five going through this um and my daughter I'm sure all parents say this um but she is a particularly joyful loving person and 
I found her almost like, I think in the book I describe it as like an emotional trampoline that like having someone who's that joyful in your house and that full of love, it really, I found it just like, it got me through. She got me through. And I don't mean that in a like, people think we're best friends or sisters (laughs) kind of way, just by her presence that I felt like it just it's it it kept me up at a level you know and but at the same time I was lucky enough that if there were days where I didn't feel like I could keep going I had the support of family you know literally five minutes away that I could just have that little mini kind of like I need to stop put the head under the blanket and kind of not feel bad about it yeah totally yeah Yeah. it must be hard you mean you use the word grieving a lot which I think is so apt for a breakup because and almost in a way it's a really messed up kind of grief because the person is still there and you're still, you know, involved. But when you're, when you're, you know, you knew this was the right thing. You knew it wasn't working for you. You knew you wanted a different future for both, for both of you and for your daughter. Um, but then you're grieving and you're feeling all these emotions of this is so hard. Everything looks different. It must be so hard to reconcile. Why am I, why am I finding this so hard when it's the right thing? What, like, why is it, why does it feel so bad when it's the right thing, you know, you you would think that if something is right, your body will be like, oh, well, we did the right thing. I know. I think, I think what it is, is, um, you know, in our case, you're grieving the life that you thought you'd have. Yeah. So even though it's gone bad, it's gone, you know, you know that it's the right thing to end it. That doesn't negate the fact that you thought your life was going to be, you know, you thought you were going to grow old with this person, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I think within that, and if you're co-parenting, you don't get to go away and say, I'll never see that person again. So like you just said there. Um, and I think it's a funny one because you've got to come to terms, like you've got to t- come to terms with, like you said, that this was the right thing. Um, but, but it still hurts like hell. Uh, yeah, yeah, it re- yeah. And it's, it's grieving. I suppose it's grieving. It's grieving the life you thought you're going to have. And it's grieving the life you thought your child was going to have, which is really hard as well. And that's another anxiety. So, you know, you, okay, you're in the relationship, you're having anxiety about being in a relationship that maybe isn't working. And then you've got the anxiety, like you mentioned there about, okay, finances, my career, is my career stable? And then, you know, it grows arms and legs, um, anxiety about your daughter, how will it impact her? It's, it's very hard then to, to, to like really, I mean, we say, we talk about self-care so much, but you're, you're not really by yourself in the situation. You kind of have to manage the, the, the impact it has on all the people in your life that matter like that's incredibly hard did you did you find that that anxiety was was you know you were you at were your, were, your, were your support network kind of telling you to focus on yourself and you were finding that hard because you were worried about other people what I found um was I found the getting to the point of the breakup was incredibly hard partly in when one of the main things was the concern of my daughter yeah. Um, and my, I was very lucky in that my mum is very, I'm very close to my mum and she's very practical. And she always said to me, she's going to be fine. And I, my mum's also a really bad liar. So I would have known if she was just telling me that to make me feel better. And I, so I was able to really believe her. Um, and, you know, we both knew if my daughter was fine. I would be fine, you know, that, um, and I don't mean that in a kind of martyred mother way, you know, Um, and so that was really reassuring. And then I suppose, like, you see in a lot of accounts to people saying that having to tell their parents they were divorcing was almost as hard as the breakup itself. And I completely get that. And again, I was just a bit lucky in that way, in that, um, A, I think my mother probably you know, she, she, I'm very close to my mum. It it didn't come as a shock. Um, And uh, but also they just kept, I never, uh, they never showed me any real like, pull, you know, upset on their part. They just were very, this is what's happening. You know, everyone here in this situation is great. It's, it's sad that this has turned out this way, but let's just make this work now. And I think for anyone who was going through anything like this to the people who are in, like if it was the greatest gift of my parents to do that, because absolutely that, you know, to have to shoulder their like responsibility or, or just even concern for their worry and upset would have been massive. And, and I get, I totally get why people would show their upset, of course, but I just, it was brilliant that my parents were just very like, right now we're co-parenting and now we're, you know, like, yeah, like they, you know, we all just make it work. And that was 
just so helpful. And and I suppose as well, you know, I, I think it's probably important to acknowledge it really depends what age your child is as well. Like I think yeah. it would be much harder for people. Like my child, our child was, you know, pretty young when it happened and it was we were able to make it very smooth for her. And I think it's really important. Like I'd never want anyone else parenting to feel like, do you know, sometimes people say like, oh, I think co-parenting is really difficult and I think everyone's probably, most people are doing their best, you know, and nobody should ever feel like, oh God, you know, we weren't able to do this for our child or our situation is different to whatever, you know, everyone just does their best. But I do think those few circumstances, um, you know, uh, like an older child who would be much more aware of like, the, you know, how much yeah. their life was changing, um, it would be it would be different. Yeah, and then there'd be, you know, there could be, when they're a bit older, there could be resentment there or like not understanding of, you know, why can't you just make it work? And I can't imagine, I can't imagine how hard that would be. Um, you, you talk a lot about, um, like the loss of, and this, not, everything is about loss in this situation, really. And the loss of safety or loss of trust that you didn't realize, I guess you wouldn't realize you have in the world when things are going well and when your life is, you know, following the path that you set out for yourself. And then suddenly, you know, it all comes undone. And not only do you realize that, what you thought was for you isn't, but you realize that your well-being is so much more fragile than it may have seemed. And for that's what I always struggled with, with my anxiety was, you know, it was, okay, there was the tangible anxieties, like worry about this thing, worry about that thing, or this is happening in my life. But it was the, it was the fear that we're capable of falling apart that unnerved me so much. Did you find that? Yeah. I mean, to say, first of all, obviously, I was in an incredibly privileged position to get to my late 30s and have a really, you know, intact sense of like, oh, you know, generally life is fine and whatever. So I would completely acknowledge that. But the way I would say it, describe it is I had a panic attack one day in the park and went on all day. It never happened before. And then it eventually passed that night. But for the next week, it was like walking across ice in that I just it was like, oh, it's definitely over and I definitely feel fine. But I just felt it, like you described there. Suddenly I had this sense of like not taking for granted, you know, that I would not get panic attacks. Yeah. Um, and it's something that comes up a lot when I talk to people on, on the podcast. Um, like my friend Emily Harrigan talked about it. She she had cancer um, several years ago, six years ago now. And just that once you've, you know, so it's it's a loss of, of, not knowing that things can just suddenly go wrong in, the, in your world, you know, mm-hmm. and that sounds really bleak to say, like it can all fall apart. But, you know, I was trying to just explain to somebody recently and they were like, do you mean like security? Cause you didn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> I was like, no, it's nothing to do with being, it's not, it's not, you know, it happened that my situation was a relationship, but yeah. I've heard it from people who like you said there with mental health or with physical illness, you know, just, and, and that's, that's, you know, it's, it's definitely something that you have to deal with in the aftermath of like, you don't, your world doesn't feel safe in a way that you didn't even realize you were kind of taking for granted afterwards, mm. you know, yeah, it's very privileged, I just would say. And you made the decision then to write about this. And people always ask me, um, like, what made you do that? For me, like sharing is coping, like my coping mechanism. And I have a desperate need, I guess, to, um, you know, to be, to allow myself to be vulnerable, to appeal to the vulnerability in other people. Um, and it's as much, it's, it's as much to make me feel better as it does happen to make other people feel better. But did you feel compelled to, do you know, my reasons, my reasons starting out, Caroline, were so more, so much more base. I, I noticed in the, it was about six months after the separation that I started getting into things like, um, like I just, I'd literally worn like black gym gear, you know, for a year or so. Yeah. Um, and really like, and I noticed, and so my best friend said it to me, you know, is going for the occasional blow dry, getting my nails done, started ordering all these floral dresses. And we were like, wouldn't it be kind of interesting, you know, a column about putting your life back together and be like, you know, um, the best, one of the, I was going to pitch the best mascaras for waterproof mascaras for when you cry all the time. Anytime, yeah. you know? And then I pitched it and it kind of became something to, um, to um, the guys in Image, Laura George and Dominique and Mullen and, um, the first column, it was about clothes, but it was about how my daughter's joy of dressing up 
kind of brought me along in the aftermath and how, you know, she loves and, and, and kind of that coming back to yourself and beginning to look after yourself again. And that like, you know, getting dressed up and taking an interest in that kind of thing is, is kind of part of that. Um, so then it became, um, it became a much different thing. And I have to say, so incredibly rewarding in the sense of um, it's when you're going through something like this and if you are honest about it and nobody should feel that they have to be like it's totally down to each person but just the um, number of people then who support you by kind of sharing their own experiences you know and you feel that sense of solidarity yeah I mean and you're giving people maybe the permission they didn't know they had already to you know be vulnerable and to it, it not to reflect on them in any kind of you know way in terms of like success or achievement you know it, it's it, it, but it's very it's I think when I think about like my parents generation you know w- with separations just you know they, they very much c- come from the the era of never air your dirty laundry in public and I I hate this whole rhetoric of of us being too sensitive or you know oversharing but I just think that we're actually brave enough to be like do you know what we're all struggling we're all vulnerable what's the even in the pandemic now which is at the time that we're recording we're still very much in lockdown you know I think what's really been really good about it is that we're you know people are like say for example we're here on zoom and like I'm worried that like someone will call to the door for a delivery or you know um like Sarah's in the background or something like that and (laughs) but like we have to allow for that vulnerability and when we do I just think everything get like our relationships get better our you know and you can still be professional and I'm kind of going off tangent here but uh, like we're it's it's like it's we all have that in common and I'm like I don't know why we're all walking around trying to hide our vulnerability like yeah I mean what I think about it is I think if you're talking about this kind of thing or writing about it anyone who does it will know you're being honest but you also probably have a very strong sense well I do anyway of what you're comfortable with sharing in terms of like circumstances you know so like there's loads of stuff that happened that I have never written about and will never admit I have like I've been writing for 20 years I have a really strong sense so but in terms of then honesty so that's kind of privacy and honesty or whatever about you know circumstance but then around feelings to me it's like I guarantee you anyone who went through a breakup or has like I interview people all the time about and we're talking about grief and loss and and I don't mean this in a reductive way but people experience the same feelings you know yeah so um to different extents and you know at different in different sequences but we're all feeling the same thing so for me writing about feeling really sad or really angry or really whatever I mean, I only feel like I'm saying what, like, I don't feel like I'm saying anything new, you know? So in that sense, I feel like, you know, people are like, oh my God, it's so honest. Was that kind of scary? You know, I feel like. Or you're so brave. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, I think it's brave if if you find it. Yeah. But that's probably not one that I, um, obviously, yeah. Like, and and, and not to say, like, I've definitely had a few wake up at four in the mornings recently where I'm like, oh my God. You know, but um, I suppose as well, because to be honest, you kind of don't really imagine anyone's reading it. You're just like, is my mom happy with them, my best friend? That's fine. Know. You know, and you're kind of not really like when people I suppose in the last week, there's been, you know, some of the books have gone out and the feedback. And then I definitely get a kind of, oh God, but I know deep down that my feeling on this is, you know, when it comes to emotions and feelings and your responses to things, I know from the response to the column and I just know from interviews and, and it's just common sense that these are things we all feel, you know, so. Yeah. And when, when we highlight that, it almost, even before we do anything to address it, just vocalizing it for me or normalizing it or saying, you know what, this is actually my reality takes away a huge amount of the pressure and the anxiety to be okay because you're allowing yourself sometimes to not be okay. Um, I want to ask you about, you know, things that you did then. So you got to the point of, of, of acknowledging, and, and, and at that point, like an awful lot of that, the really hard stuff was done was coming to that realization, broaching the conversation, you know, starting to, to, t- to take apart your life together. What did you do or what did you find helpful to make the anxiety through that process a little bit easier to deal with? So like I said there a minute ago, my mom kept saying to me, you're so stressed. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. And I obviously knew I wasn't fine, but I think I felt like there's nowhere to put that stress. You know, like I certainly wasn't able to bring my own stress levels down. I needed outside things. So anyway, my mum for years has meditated and 
has always um you know been at me to do it and you know they kind of ignore it when your mother kind of yeah. tells you to do something so we um I saw an article um I think it was in the Guardian or something about this course in London so my parents and I and my daughter went over to stay in my cousin's apartment and see my best friend from school and I did a course with the London London some meditation school LCM or something um they were amazing so it was it's called Vedic meditation so it's um it's for it was originally developed for like non-spiritual working people um and Ooh, it's basically so yeah it's, it's, so it's basically TM they give you a, a mantra yeah. and that I mean the first day in they describe it as like you're like an onion and they're peeling off the layers of stress I felt like they had put a lagging jacket around me and that the stress I was under could only get in so far it was incredible the difference yeah. it made so that doing that um it's not cheap but it's the best probably one of the best things I've ever spent money on it was just incredible and I think there's something about doing a course they just like like Michael the guy who's and I spoke to him for the book he's just so good at like convincing you of the the um the importance and the power of meditation in a way that was almost like you don't realize it going in that like that ties you to it more than you're like more convinced and they were just great he was like you know because he was just really funny and really like and it's very simple and it's just so that definitely um helped with the stress counseling um i'm a bit evangelical about it um, i've i've sent away several friends and people i've interviewed for the podcast to the counselor i go to um that's amazing because you kind of just need someone who you feel is help well i found it felt like i had somebody who is a professional advisor guiding me through all of this you know um mm. because i suppose especially when you're a single parent you know um i'm lucky that my parents are nearby so i rely upon them a lot so it's quite nice to have somebody you know you don't sometimes you don't want to be going to your mom again and being like oh god this blah 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 you know um so counseling um I got back in like at the start I you know I I was too tired never went to any kind of exercise but I did eventually get back into that and in a very like I just joined the gym and went along and did whatever I felt like there was no kind of pressure or anything like that um because I just knew you know doing something helped oh I always felt better after it um but that probably took me you know I'd say a good six months before I went near anything like that um Mm -hmm. do you do you have any anxiety around thinking about opening yourself up to a future relationship um I don't have anxiety about it but I have zero interest in it um I just that's great yeah I don't know I just maybe it's because I have a young child and I feel very much like you know, and I suppose the nature of my work that it's freelance and, you know, anyone self-employed will tell you like, you're kind of, you know, it's not nine to five, you're kind of on all the time. And so if I'm taking time off from those situations, I want to make sure that it's with people I'm guaranteed I'm going to enjoy that time. So that kind of, and yeah, I don't know. I just, obviously it's totally different for each person. And I, you know, absolutely respect that whatever, you know, works for you. But for me, it felt quite important to be like, this is a situation that I need to make right by not not with another relationship. I, mm-hmm. It can't be another relationship that fixes my life. I want to be completely fine without, do you know, I just, I, I want to, and I am completely fine. Um, and that was my next question. Is how, how, are you now? <laughs> how are you now? How am I now? Um, just, well, apart from the um, pandemic that we're living through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really good. I would say to anyone, it took me two years before, like I noticed a huge change. And um, I wrote so many articles where I, you know, oh, I'm oh, grief, I'm over, you know. The yeah, yeah. And then cue like literally the next day. And um, I really noticed two years on, like to the month that I just felt lighter, didn't get those grief days or weeks. Um, just did things that would have triggered sadness in me before didn't like felt so much more resilient and robust and that um and so uh, yeah and I almost to the point where I could kind of test it you know like yeah does thinking about that make me feel sad you know that like and and, and no it wouldn't um so yeah bar the general pandemic like I say yeah. um, well bar, bar the fact that you're a human being which we'll allow for <laughs> 
Something I think is really important, um, and it, it applies to so many different things in life. For, for me, it's been uh, like the morning sickness that I've been dealing with, where I was so frightened of it beforehand. And I've talked about this on, on the podcast before, but I, I'm just a nervous, I don't know anyone who enjoys being sick anyway, but my, I've, I really, I keep learning and I keep forgetting. And I have to keep reminding myself that so a lot of the time in life, when it comes to anxiety or things that, you know, are, are holding us back, the fear that we won't be able to cope seems bigger but actually the your ability to cope when you're in the situation when you're actually taking the plunge when you're at when I'm actually sitting on the toilet floor <laughs> getting sick when you're actually having the conversation to realize that you need to pull apart from this relationship your ability to cope is always far greater than your fear that you won't cope but you can't know that until you do it have you realized that about yourself um yes definitely I mean if I'm really honest I I kind of I knew I could cope um in the you know I knew I could um and I don't mean that to sound arrogant or to sound dismissive of my you know marriage in any way I just knew that about myself but I absolutely overwhelmed myself with thoughts of things in the future that I would not be able to cope with and which sounds so like well, how did you not you know make that connection but I definitely definitely um and I think that's something that I've kind of come to realize about myself and to be kind of aware of of like like I said earlier just that little phrase of like oh your future thinking oh yeah that's not happening right now so stop yeah yeah and I really, really like people need to know the difference between courage and confidence like some you know courage is is what you need to to do this what you've done it doesn't you don't have to be super confident super sure about yourself and have no fear you can feel you can have the fear and like like we said about um elizabeth gilbert like take it along with you it's it's really important that people i I guess what i want to ask you is for someone who's listening who's who realizes maybe they're just having the realization now that oh shit like i know i'm in a relationship that's not working or i i I, the, the fear is all consuming and it just seems like the anxiety of everything that you've had to go through and even the idea of two years of, of, of that, you know, it could, could be longer, could be shorter for people. It might just seem like, oh, I, what, what would you say to someone who's feeling like, like overwhelmed by that fear? I'd say that it's completely understandable. Um, and that when, if you can address it, when you do, as awful and as hard as that may be, at least that fear is actually over because you're in it then and you're dealing with it. And I'd also say that right now they probably don't know how much they're contending with um, and therefore how much they're carrying. And so they're so put upon that, like as they begin to then move through it, they'll have they'll be stronger because they're processing and they're dealing with it and it would the burden I suppose what I'm trying to say will become easier yeah um and also that you know if you're in a relationship that has it's time to end it um and this is uh you know to anyone it's 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 really hard on your sense of self or on your sense of well-being when the person that loved you the most in the world and you loved them the most in the world and that's no longer the case and I say that for both parties and everyone mm-hmm. you know that's that's really hard you know and and it, moving out of that is is going to be a good thing for you you know um, and and you will well like I found you know you'll find support and alternative sources of love in the people around you but that I suppose it it you know it will I suppose it will get better and it will pass and yeah just to back to your original point that fear that you feel now when you've done it like that you've done it so the you know that horrible sense of like nausea in your stomach hits you first thing in the morning that will go and so would you say then that the anxiety of being in the wrong relationship is worse than the anxiety of getting yourself out of it if it if it's if it's ended sorry I'm not sure I understand the question say it to me again so the anxiety so people think okay it's, it's I'm too anxious to get out of this relationship but the anxiety yeah so the anxiety of actually staying in it really will eat at you more over time than the it's it's kind it's kind of like a, a slow a slow poisoning versus a <laughs> yeah I would say that even though it feels like the absolute worst thing that this is over and you might not ever get over it you will come to a t- point where you will accept this and you're and and know that you know given how things have turned out 
it was the right thing to happen. And that, that I suppose the main thing I'd say is the things that you think now will always be slightly devastating if the relationship ends you would be amazed and I say that with absolute respect you know but like you you accept things you come to accept that this is the way things are and then you set about making your life as happy and as satisfying as it can be yeah I think well like well done for having gone on this incredible journey of self-discovery and and like to share it and allow yourself to be vulnerable and give people that comfort and I just want to say as well that the book is not just for people who are going through a breakup or have it's not it's, it's not really just about relationships right no it's more I suppose about the idea of when your life isn't working out the way you want it to and kind yeah. of coming to terms with that and I mean really it's it's a love story about friends and family as well and the people who support you um and then kind of on a practical level like I was saying there like the things to do to help when yeah. you're when you're grieving or when you're you know you've suffered a loss whatever that might be Amazing. Oh, well, Leah, massive congratulations. Thank you, Caroline. It was so lovely to be, to talk to you today. Oh, thank you. And thank you for allowing me to be your your first interview. God, my pleasure. How to Fall Apart. It's out now in all good bookstores, probably some crappy ones too, and online and wherever you get your books. And the podcast is available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify. iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. And if people want to read the column, it's available on image.ie. Yes. Amazing. Leah, thank you so much for joining me and best of luck with the release of the book. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.